Hi, you're listening to Go See a Show, New York City's independent theater podcast. New York is a pretty big town, but what happens when it's not big enough for the community garden as well as the giant corporate clean food store? That's the showdown at the heart of Theater and Asylum's new production, Totally Wholesome Foods. And of course, there's so much more. I spoke with some of the artists behind the production after a recent performance. Take a listen. So, uh, I love to start with everyone's name on the mic. We're going to start with the playwright. Let me know who you are and what you did on Totally Wholesome Foods. My name is Alice Pencavel, and I wrote Totally Wholesome Foods. Hi, my name is Rosie Sella, and I play Wendy Garlic in Totally Wholesome Foods. I'm Janelle Robinson. I played Pat. She's a really fierce lawyer. My name is Allison Walter, and I play Leslie, who is the franchise boss of Totally Wholesome Foods. And I'm Paul Bedard. I directed the show. All right, so who gets the honor of telling us what is Totally Wholesome Foods, other than a really great play on words of that very famous wholesome food place? Play on words? I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> but uh, Totally Wholesome Foods is a place where you can have totally wholesome experiences. You can get t-shirts made of hemp. You can get frozen pizzas. You can get massages and tanning bed experiences. It has everything you need. All you need to do is build it and go there. And so the show that you have built is about this place. How, would, how do you describe this place, this show, I should say, to friends, folks on the street, Come see my show. What do you tell them Totally Wholesome Foods is? I mean, I always say it's an amazing comedic satire about, like, capitalism and gentrification. It's incredibly relevant uh, today. I think it's been relevant for a long time. Um, But what's really amazing about it, and I'm sure you'll probably want to speak to this maybe a little more. I'm pointing to our playwright, Alice, right now. Audio Um, medium. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But... What's so cool about it is Alice first drafted this script um, a couple of years ago after this like random election that happened. And um, at the time, it was very relevant. But today, two years later, it's being produced uh, at a time when this past year, a, uh, another very similar type of store opened in the neighborhood where I live, uptown, uh, for the first time. Also, um, everything happening with Amazon in New York City right now. Like, it's just incredibly on the pulse today. And it's like a kind of a beautiful happenstance that that occurred. So where did this come from for you then? I mean, uh, Rosie alluded to it, but mm-hmm. it December 2016, I heard, is when this started? So the initial idea began when I was in graduate school in 2000. Um, we don't need to date anybody 12. here. It's fine. Okay. Okay. Yeah. It was like well, there, I mentioned the the year because I was living in Gowanus, Brooklyn at the time, and there was a lot of hullabaloo because a Whole Foods was going to build in Gowanus and it was threatening this historic building that a lot of people in the neighborhood rallied to save. And then there was also a question about would the the canal itself, the Gowanus Canal, have some sort of adverse effects to having a grocery store like planted right on it. So there's a lot of very like local um, 
storm and drong um, <laughs> uh, that was very much responding to something much on a sort of a global crisis. And so I really kind of wanted to write, initially, I really wanted to try to write a kid's play. I do a lot of like teaching with kids and I wanted to write something sort of light and whimsical because I was in graduate school at the time and everything was very uh, intense, and, you know, <laughs> psychologically like profound and in, in, you know really <laughs> overwhelming ways and so I was looking for something a little more whimsy so I sort of wrote the first like 10 pages of these people trying to save their neighborhood garden in the threat of totally wholesome foods um, which is very much in I mean, we don't have to pretend that we're not um, okay, pointing a finger at Whole Foods. It it's okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's okay, um, grocery store. I I am. And, uh, and then I tabled it because I had to finish my thesis and things like that. And get like back that. to the very, like, very oh, yes. heart-rending stuff. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, and uh, then, so fast forward to 2016 and um, the election of Donald Trump as our president uh, prompted me to start a political comedy series with the desire of gathering friends and laugh. I was really like in the need of some real joy and laughter and community. Um, and it was like a, a project too that would sort of keep me, um, sort of would force me to sort of examine where I stood politically and why and how and to share those questions with my community and to see how those questions could blossom into other questions or ideas. And so it was like every two months there's a different political comedy with a different central theme. And it was with the express purpose of just having people come together and read it and talk and share stew and wine and things like that. So it was very intentionally casual um, and totally wholesome foods was the first of that six-play series. And I love that you mentioned in there that this was a way to examine your political beliefs mm -hmm. because that kind of feels like what's going on in this play. Everyone is coming at this introduction of this, uh, this, this corporate behemoth from a very different place. Um, talk to me about like playing those characters, like coming into these... Um, your character, uh, Janelle, I, I loved that she feels on both sides in a weird way. And then Allison, of course, you get to just go whole hog into the villainy, which is amazing. Um, but is it really villainy? Like, I mean, with the way we treat it in the play is, of course, uh, with that kids, uh, that eye toward a kids play. Um, so we, we feel the, that's the bad guy. But question mark mm -hmm. like can you talk to me about that well i think that nothing is really black and white absolutely to begin with you know and i think that that's what pat represents the most uh she is very much on both sides of it and brings a very real aspect to this and i think another really great thing about this play is that it has a lot of hard truths that being one of them I do think that it is possible to be a part of a corporation and also to have very real feelings and real connections with humans and to care where they end up. So where is that middle line? I def Pat definitely teeters with that, uh, but it is really fun also to have a villain. And this story in itself is, there's nothing new about that, I don't think. You know, this isn't the first time that or the first year that we hear about people being displaced or people coming in and just completely taking over, 
an area and not really caring where the other people go. Uh, so how do we tackle that? You know, Pat has her own way. Um, I think having a villain definitely is beneficial in terms of making you realize things that maybe you don't, just like Alice said, um, playing around with what you believe in politically. Yeah, if I may too, I think Pat really, she's the raisiner in the entire story, right? Because you have like the villain Leslie, quote unquote villain. I mean, she is the villain in this story um, who represents the corporations. And then on the flip side, there's Wendy who is this total idealist and is like, this is what I believe and no matter what, this is what should happen and this is good and this is bad. And then Pat is there to be the one to show, like you said, like nothing's black and white, but also there is a really important moment in the piece where Pat tells Wendy, you know, the only reason you're able to engage in the work that you do in the community is because I'm engaging in the corporate world and making a really good living for us that you benefit from, Mm -hmm. right? And it's a really important... It is a turning point, I think, for Wendy to actually have to start realizing that, like facing that notion, which then you kind of see develop and results in the final moments of the piece where Wendy has to make an important decision. Um, But I'll pass it to you, Allison. So uh, I'll just start by saying, though I am probably one of the most... uh, like hippie, crunchy granola people that I know, it is so fun to play uh, an evil franchise boss. Um, And I think the most important part of it for me is to find her humanity because I think that uh, in every piece, if you're playing, you know, a quote-unquote bad person or an evil person or the antagonist, it's really important that you find where they're, the truth of where they're coming from because to play bad doesn't really read honestly. Um, And so one of the most important things for me when I was doing the research and creating who Leslie was, was finding her reasoning as to how this actually was the greatest thing for the neighborhood. Um, She truly believes that this garden is a gross place. It's dirty and there's uh, grime and you know she believes that it would be a better neighborhood if there was a totally wholesome foods there um, so that was where I uh, that's what I tried to instill in her so that she wasn't just a, a bad girl she was the smiling face of this super treacherous <laughs> company which the franchise is sort of the umbrella underneath it it, is she's against plastic so she's selling the crunchy and sort of like and I do find that's what like Whole Foods it's like it's organic it's fresh it's real and that has become somehow again at odds with a community garden Mm -hmm. one of the uh, really wonderful parts of this for me as an audience member was the aesthetic that you used to put this together. So I'm, I have a feeling that part of this comes out of the scripts and part of this comes out of Paul's brain. So I'm curious to know, like, what, talk to me about those conversations and how you put together the, like, again, a childlike is a too simplistic a way to say it. Um, it's, it's got a, 
it's got this beautiful, like bright, fun Mister Rogers neighborhood mm-hmm. kind of like uh, uh, je ne sais quoi. So, like, um, talk to me about like how y'all developed mm-hmm. that. What what came from the script? What came from Paul? And and from actually, what did you develop with these lovely people and the rest of their castmates? Yeah, well, I think that Alice's play really just highlights a lot of contradicting oppositions. Uh, And the one that I am most uh, curious about is, to me, community is messy, is disordered, is inconvenient, is... uh, Diversity just brings so many challenges, and it's essential for community. uh, But it's not the orderliness of aisles, of clean aisles that are spacious and labeled. Um, so working with the designers, uh, Dan Daly on the set and Claire Moody on props and Dan Stearns on lighting, uh, we, and Paul Hinkis on music, we really tried to bring that opposition to every design element of how do we make the community space messy in a way that you have to step over a row of hedges to get to that person you've known for 10 years. And how do we make, uh... How do, how do we make Totally Wholesome Foods appealing? They will clean up the mess and you'll be able to get your pizza, your t-shirts and everything you need without having to talk to anyone. There's probably an app so that you don't have to talk to anyone when you check out. Um, so the world we created is uh, tactile and there's a lot of cardboard and paper in the set. Uh, all the music is acoustic at the beginning. Uh, the lights are very warm and friendly and non-threatening for much of the play. And when Totally Wholesome Foods comes, it is cleaner, simpler, uh, but it also is threatening. Uh, There is recorded sound. There is literally plastic coming into the world. Um, Yeah, that's that's where the aesthetic came from. I think Alice wrote these oppositions, and we tried to carry that through into the design aesthetic. Nice. Also a part of the design aesthetic that is also a part of the cast, I think we should talk about the plants a little bit. Yeah. Um, who are our band, who are amazing. So there's a really beautiful musical element in the piece. Um, and the band are actually plants. Plants who are important characters uh, to different people in the play. I don't want to give like too much away. Yeah, spoiler free. But yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't want to give too many spoilers. Um, but... There's music. We, there's, there's music. There's there music, guys. Yeah, deal with it. Yeah. The plants are the singers. Um, yeah, and the plants are the singers. And what's really cool about it is that in a lot of ways, like, <laughs> they are almost, like, they begin the piece almost like as the narrators. Like, they're connected to the earth. They're aware of everything happening yeah. around them. It's pe- peanut gallery. Yeah, they're the peanut gallery. Um, but they become like such an important part of the world and how everybody functions around them um and it also becomes a part of like different ways of living and recognizing that in the piece and communicating and communicating because wendy rosie wendy Mm -hmm. you can speak to the plants but no one else knows or hears anything when they speak. We Except know for one of the older members of the community. I found that pretty interesting. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. Well, Adele is worldly. Yeah. She gets around. <laughs> but, I mean, that is a major theme in the play, just how you communicate, what are the tools that you use, and what are the yeah. things or languages that you willingly acknowledge. And also mm. go out of your way to learn what are things that are instilled in you, maybe things you were born with it. Or the things you avoid as well. Maybe things that you avoid or just tune out. Mm -hmm. Um, 
and we and everyone in this play has their own language and so like what you were asking before for Pat, for instance, who teeters on both ends of the spectrum. She kind of, um, she has multiple languages, I think, that she can speak. There's one that she does professionally, and then she comes home to her beautiful uh, girlfriend and all of the people in her, in her circle and her community and has to find a way to communicate with them. That's very different from how she communicates at work. Everyone has their own thing. And I think that the, all the different languages that people speak to me is like, again, the mess of community. There are, uh, when I walk outside, there are New Yorkers that know how to speak Subway. There are younger people that know how to speak Snapchat. And there are all these various languages in the world connecting people in ways that are not orderly. Um, and there is definitely a force in the world, and I would like to be on that force to protect all those languages, all those impossible to define connections between people. They are literally exclusive languages holding communities together. Uh, and there are also forces that are trying to clear those languages away and create a universal system. Again, like wide aisles that are labeled. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. oh, a universal language, yeah. yeah. One final question. Um, I don't think this is giving away too much. Maybe if you really want to know how the play ends, don't stop listening before you come. Um, but we, uh, we don't give any good answers, I don't think. The play ends very in this mm. very Brechtian sort of like, I, I had images of the end of Good Person of Szechuan with the, <laughs> the gods walking away saying like, all right, great, you figured it out. You're great. You, you know what to do. Um, we, the, the play does end and does have a, a finale, uh, but I feel like, you, Alice, you didn't, you didn't tell me how to, how to fight Whole Foods. You didn't tell me how to defeat Jeff Bezos. Like, we didn't, we mm -hmm. didn't see that. So talk to me about that decision because I think that that is obviously a very conscious decision yeah. to not give us a clean answer. Yeah, I don't, I don't have any clear answer, and I certainly don't feel in a position to provide one. And again, like, the, the intention was to sort of spread more questions. Um, and I think, uh, what was I going to say? I just had an idea and then I lost it. Um, well, the other thing too about this play is that it implicates everyone. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. everyone here is sort of responsible and not, yeah. and everyone sort of, I, I, one of the things that really gets my goat is hypocrisy. I think because I know it involves me too. Full admission, I've been to Whole Foods and it was kind of nice, you know? <laughs> they sometimes they have, have some great beer there, selection, so. yeah. Yeah, sometimes they have things and I often buy used books from Amazon, you know, because they're cheaper and I, I have a Amazon Prime membership, full disclosure, you guys. And so I, and so I, in a way I would feel um, I would feel a fraud if I were to take any side or other because I feel this is a conflict that I sort of am constantly having to negotiate on a day-to-day -day and a sort of week-to-week -week or year-to-year -year when my Prime membership renews. You know, what, how can I, I mean, just by being a human being, my carbon footprint is having a negative consequence to the so what does that mean in terms of what choices I make? Um, is I don't know. And so that's very much why it ends on that. But I do think 
and again, I don't want to give away too much, but I think there's an element of destruction and um, nihilism that I did want to make sure to communicate because it can always seem, I think, the destruction or the nihilism very far away or at a hand's distance. And then I think things just sort of have been slowly eroding and it can be easy to lose sight of the bigness of the threats that are out there or at our disposal. We'll come and dig into those questions at <laughs> Totally Wholesome Foods. Uh, we are at, well, you're going to have to tell me exactly the name of this place because I've never been here before and it's such a cool place to see a show. Yeah, this is the Episcopal Actors Guild. We're on 29th Street between 5th Avenue and Madison. Yeah, 1 East 29th. Yeah. Which is a great address. And uh, y'all are running through when? Through the 28th, we were extended to the 28th. Ooh, fancy. That's great. Good. I'm glad we got that on mic. So yeah. through the 28th of February, tickets and more information can be found at... Theaterinasylum.com slash TWF, and theater is spelled E-R. You got those. Okay. Right. <laughs> thank you all. Yeah, yeah. 329 episodes in. Uh, so uh, thank you all so much for doing this. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Great work. This is really cool. Thank you. Thank you, Alice, Paul, Janelle, Rosie, and Allison for hanging out after the show to chat. You can catch Totally Wholesome Foods at the Episcopal Actors Guild, 1 East 29th Street in Manhattan, through February 28th, 2019. Head to theaterinasylum.com, and that's theater with an E-R, for showtimes, a link to tickets, and more information. Thanks to you for listening into the podcast. If you dig it, please like it on Facebook, facebook.com slash go see a show. Follow at go see a show on Twitter and rate and or comment on the show's Apple Podcasts page. My name is Robert A.K. Gagno. You can find me on the internet at Robert Gagno, G-O-N-Y-O dot com. Until next time, go see a show. Brilliant. Thanks for coming. Yay. Some more snaps. More snaps. 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 Snaps